Hello and welcome to Weekly Open. I'm Brian here with everybody. But first, let me tell you about FTX. Go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX. There are partners for this show and every episode of Weekly Open. You can check them out. On the FTX app, go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Make a trade from one asset to another. Simply right there in the app. Earn yield on your coins. Track your portfolio. All that good stuff that you've known and loved. But... You need to do it from the FTX app, weeklyopen.com slash FTX. We got Luke, we got Don, and returning, Cred. What's up, bud? Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good It's good to be back. You know, Josh had too many, you know, he's got fun stuff got a real job. fund market updates to do, <laughs> and no fund would ever listen to me. So I've come to the refuge of market analysts, which is weekly open. So yeah, no, good to be back. <laughs> We're happy to have you back. <laughs> um, Luke, how you doing? You're on top here. Yeah, well, man, it's, uh, I think after two weeks of having no trade ideas because everything was going down, I think uh, it might be video game and workout season might be over. Coins might be going up again. Wow. So excited to talk about it. Wow. He's Ooh. buying, he's buying the news, selling. Well, I don't know. I, let's, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay. I want to see what Don has to say first. All right. Uh, Don, <laughs> we're going to get the market update from Don. We are also just going to hint at this. We're going to mix up some of our segments, try to try to get some uh, flair in here. You know, we've got creative genius crypto cred on the line oh, so, dear. Um, in future weeks. We're going to, we're going to try to go a little more newsy early in the show and wait a little longer to dig into the charts in the future. But for debt for today, you know, we're just not prepared. Um, so we're still going to do our, our market outlook and uh, Don, how you doing? Good, good. I mean, somewhat good. I lifted something today and broke my back. It's like, idiot <laughs> i'm starting to feel like I'm, I'm turning 40 or something it's bad but are your um, nft bags that heavy that immediately <laughs> i i i mean i i lightened up on them um, right. i actually sold a bunch of my nfts at the absolute pico bottom of wow. nfts so um not stop but yeah no, doing all right i mean market's up quite a bit i don't really know what to make of it um okay next <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can do that as well. And then you have to do it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Time to listen to four guys tell you maybe up, maybe down, and then mm -hmm. log off and watch something else, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. Yeah, not Luke, Ledger. Sorry. Well, all we did was go back to the starting point, right? Once again, the weekend is a scam. So we, <laughs> mm -hmm. we, were, we were at this level roughly on Friday. We now are back at it, at least on Ethereum terms. I don't look at Bitcoin because, you know, who would? Useless, useless coin. Even in donating to Ukraine, it's like five to one Ether to BTC, which is incredible. Um, but continue on there, Don. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that as I'm looking at Bitcoin, I feel a little bit insulted, but <laughs> 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 um, no, but it's it's still the same, really, as you said. Uh, we're still in the area of, of monthly support, which I mean, I've said multiple times, you should not be fading. Um, so if you're looking for shorts, this is like one of the worst areas to look um, for them, in my opinion. Um, that said, the weekly is kind of just chopping around. We actually closed the weekly below support um, last week, um, just marginally, but it's still like a close below support. So if we close this week below it as well, uh, I'm going to think we're going to start breaking down, um, which honestly would make sense given that we've had this strong momentum going into the weekly open, right? So if we reverse all of that during the course of this week, it would make sense to kind of just go down. Um, it's not something that I'm necessarily counting on. 
I don't want to be too bearish or too bullish here, just based on the fact that we're still driven by news headlines. We're still driven by um, the situation in Ukraine. I don't really um, do too much when I'm when I'm at the mercy of like geopolitics and basically a war going on. So for me, it's really, really tough to call it. Um, but yeah, we close below support. I want to see how that develops going into this week. If we kind of close above it again, that'd be a nice kind of um, higher low. And then we can actually start heading up. But for me, like this week is still for chilling. I don't really have to rush into anything. Um, unless there's something on the lower, lower time frames as in daily and below where you have like momentum going one side or the other that you can hop onto. Um, there's not really like on the high time frames that there's not that much interesting going on. And with the daily, we're just running into resistance right now, um, which I think if we break that, that'd be a really good first sign that we're actually turning the corner somewhat. So like a close above 40.6K today. Um, would make me think that there's a chance that we either like just range in here or in general just break up. So that is something that the minimum that I want to see is a close back into 40s today. Um, and then we can go from there, kind of uh, either play the range from 40 to 44, or even if you want to be super bullish, expect the range breakout. That's fine by me. Like either one is really okay because um, if we go all the way to 44, that area has been tested so many times that, I mean, you can be bullish through it, in my opinion. Uh, it just needs that close above resistance because otherwise you're just basically chasing it into resistance, which is not necessarily what I want to be doing. Being bullish into resistance is a hobby of mine. Um, <laughs> so I'll be able to get on board with that level. <clears throat> Don, your capacity to do nothing is truly an admirable skill. Um, I, I cannot do that. Like, I just want to overtrade all this crap. Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate that. I've, I've trained my entire life for it. <laughs> Sitting around doing nothing. I'm good at it. Yeah, you um, know he's a complacent boomer when he says lower time frames and then says daily. Like yeah, most people listening are going to think, fucking hell, mate. I've not looked at minute. that time frame in months. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know if y'all can actually see YouTube, but when I switch over to my screen, I wonder if this um, potential chart pattern would um, really piss cred off or not. This as a welcoming committee back to the show. Um, Excellent. we are kind of, we are kind of holding this. I don't, I don't even know what you would call it. Um, a non-pattern, but a, a series of higher lows. Maybe it ends up being one of these kind of multi-year consolidations that, uh, is like inverse 2018, um, except for probably last longer than 2018. That's still my working hypothesis is that there's more absorption, to the lower boundary, but also this willingness to sell like high sixties. Um, I don't care if it turns into a chart pattern or not, but it's kind of supportive of your crab theory, Don. Like if the, if the dollar, you know, now we're seeing like the, the ruble is down 40% or something stupid. Is that really true? Like I couldn't actually see that when I went to look at, um, whatever forex.com or whatever those markets were it looked like it was kind of all over the place but yeah it got battered because people are looking at the rates that banks themselves are quoting as opposed to just like the cfds or whatever and, and yeah the there was a bit of an overnight move to say the least <laughs> um so i guess bitcoin's you know really mooning uh for russians um do y'all have any narrative stuff out there that you're interested in talking about 
with regards to like currency stuff going on and you know swift stuff shutting down like are russians russian to bitcoin <laughs> wow nice. really went there, huh? nice. <laughs> um I, th- I think the more the more interesting thing is that you're going to be very hard pressed and look the, the shitty geopolitical situation the war the humanitarian crisis obviously takes precedence right but hopefully we'll move on from it and the world will be a better place etc and then you know 6 12 18 months down, down the line whatever it may be you're going to be very hard pressed to to make an argument that bitcoin isn't money right when you see the government of ukraine posting like bitcoin eth and i, I think there was like a tr- Tron the RC20 address or something, some, some oh, other, gosh, I think it, USDT on Tron uh, address, I think was one of the tweets. But anyway, you, you know, you're going to make, you're going to have a hard time making an argument that crypto isn't money, um, especially like Bitcoin and ETH, which is bullish in general. However, um, I, I think one thing to bear in mind is at the moment, it's the good guys in terms of the, um, in terms of the skew of what the international community thinks, right? It, it's, it's the good guys using Bitcoin as money. Now, you can imagine the other side of that sword, which is if a regime we don't like then tries to raise money using Bitcoin or circumvent sanctions or do whatever else using Bitcoin, you suddenly go from, hey, look how good BTC is as money to potentially you know, the same sanctions and the same weight of all this multinational infrastructure cracking down on a form of money used by people we don't like. So that part to me is kind of scary. Um, you know, it's fine while it's the good guys, but if it's the bad guys, that's when you get like, I think peak regulatory fun. Hopefully, uh, we, we don't have that many conflicts to go through all these scenarios, but that, that's just something uh, at the back of my mind in terms of moneyness in general. Yeah. I think, uh, one more narrative that, uh, I think everyone should at least keep an eye on. I've seen split capital talk about this. I saw, uh, Mohammed El Arian talk about it is this is kind of still like a pipe dream if it plays out like this, Um, but based on just the geopolitical concerns, based on potentially Russia's economy collapsing, all these things is if central banks now take a more accommodative stance versus what they've been doing, which is expectations of a lot of hikes, expectations of crazy hikes, that's what the market's been trying to price in. That's the largest reason we are correcting. I mean, we were selling off well before Russia moved into Ukraine. So if all of a sudden central banks or countries get a little bit too spooked and maybe they don't raise as fast or they don't raise as high. Um, that is e- even a slight change in that. It changes the market's, market's expectations in that. I think I think that's even kind of driving some of the move right now. Uh, as people are already speculating that in March, the rake is going to, the, the hike is going to be a little bit less or maybe there's just going to be less hikes. So uh, I think that's another really important narrative change to watch because it changes the outlook and the expectation, not only for next month, but really for the rest of the year. Yeah, I guess the big talk in terms of Fed tapering stuff is whether it's going to be 25 or 50 basis points. And it does seem like it might be more likely to just do 25 because it's the safest play, the the like don't affect too much stuff play, um, <clears throat> which the market might respond well to. I don't know. We're LARPing as macro people right now. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds so fucking desperate, doesn't it? Like the market gets battered because of these rate hike expectations. And then it's like, but guys, there's a war and therefore there's rate hikes. You know, they're still going to happen, but they might come later or slower. And therefore this is bullish. It's like, I don't know. It sounds fucking mental to me. You've got like no, it, unprecedented it central bank um, sanctions going on, all this other shit. You have people who lost money when everything was up only. Then you have people losing money on the um, correlation with risk assets and the whole decoupling meme. And like the, the headwinds and the macro stuff is only going to get more complicated and has been only getting more complicated. Yet people are still like looking for a higher frequency of trades as those conditions are getting kind of more obtuse. Like, I don't know, to me, it's like a broader sign 
of not desperation, but it's like, holy shit, guys, what are we reaching for here when we're yeah. sort of comfortable or coping with the fact that this war will mean that maybe risk assets do well because central banks are going to be more reluctant to hike. I mean, that sentence in itself is fucking mental. I know CMS even tweeted about that. He's like, every single time we're about to hike, it's like, you know, not to make light of the situation, but then we have COVID. Now we have this. <laughs> it's like, you know, someone's pulling the strings, doing whatever they can to, to keep printing money. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, March is coming up. Great month, right? Historically. Oh, seasonality. Are you filling in for Josh on that? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, Just PTSD, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing in terms of all of this is we can talk about, you know, what legacy markets are doing, what the S&P is doing. Uh, NASDAQ and Bitcoin or NASDAQ and ETH are basically trading together. Um, and some of that, maybe there's some snapback rally type stuff that's just occurring there. The S&P is not exactly screaming at you to do anything fast either, um, especially as even if... Um, even if some stuff recovers, what helped the S&P maintain some of its strength was energy doing well. So like if energy backs off or, you know, some of that stuff, it's always going to kind of balance out. This is, um, you know, my, my old man moving averages, but everybody in, the, everybody in the world, every boomer in the world looks at this 200-day moving average. We're getting pretty close to it on the underside. So that's one of those that you can look at in terms of if we flip it, then what? Um same for kind of the 20 week there's a longer gap between here and there um so maybe it's just pure chop season i do think last week the whole by the invasion <laughs> thing like it created this insane wick uh on the s p that historically would be the type of thing where everybody's worried everybody's scared whatever and then that marks kind of this massive bottom wick that you grind up over uh over months to kind of recover um, that would be a pretty, pretty good scenario in terms of for crypto. Um, if, if you just had this kind of, uh, looping grind, you know, for the S and P crypto can do whatever it wants to do in that environment where it's not, you know, the decorrelation could start to occur. Some just a little extra food for thought that might be meaningless. Um, and then one other thought, I guess, is, uh, arc and some of these other kind of unloved things also at least made some kind of temporary bottom um there's also a lot of crypto exposure within arc between coin and um you know, gbtc and even tesla and you know a lot of uh, crypto adjacent type of exposure thanks to kathy um but yeah i, I think that still looks so shit it, it does <laughs> it's, it's just like it's not at the lows anymore right <laughs> it went to <laughs> it went from 57 to 72 it doesn't mean it's like it doesn't mean it's going to make this next leg, right? That would be kind of my, okay, this is a, a, a stronger rebound and, you know, go sell 90 with everything you've got, basically, right? If you held this from 150 and you get 90, you should consider it a gift. Um, so it kind yeah. of, what are you trying to capture there? Because you got a bunch of bag holders. Um, but yeah, just... I mean, you say that, Ledger, but every time the market reaches resistance that you planned out months in advance, all you do is buy NFTs. You don't de-risk shit. <laughs> I have not been uh, that heavy of an NFT buyer lately. <laughs> um, I have bought some. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's, one, one other thing from a legacy sense is Coinbase um, had positive earnings, and it got just absolutely drilled 
its earnings came out the same day that the entire market bottomed, so it's kind of responding favorably there. I don't know that the Coinbase correlation means anything to crypto anymore, but worth mentioning. All right, so we're sitting here at 41K. Somebody in the chat reminded me that we are not exactly where we were on the weekend. ETH is exactly where it was at the beginning of the weekend. Bitcoin is actually, um, I don't know, $1,000 higher, so congrats. Um what what are y'all looking for this week? Are are we just going to be like sitting on the freaking wire looking for news? Is that what we're victims of? Is just whatever's uh, whatever's coming across, or is there anything else that we can pay attention to? I think there's a chance Light is going to be right. What was, um, what was Light's theory? Uh, that everything besides Bitcoin is going to do really poorly, and Bitcoin is going to do okay. Um, I don't know. I look at EFPTC and it looks really bad to me. And I look at the other altcoins and they almost all look really bad to me as well. Um, and I could honestly see this like sending triangle fail this week if Bitcoin starts rallying. And even if it doesn't, I could see this fail. Um, so I'm, I'm on team light for now. Um, not really excited about the altcoins. I think there's possibility of Bitcoin actually doing really well. Um, not entirely, not entirely sure how that would translate to your coins because, like, this chart doesn't inspire any confidence in me. Um, but I could be saying that as support before the ascending triangle or whatever plays out. But uh, in my experience, whenever it looks like this, dumps out and then either goes up or <laughs> just completely goes to shit. So I think like we're probably gonna see an EFPTC kind of. Uh, pullback or you can't even call it a pullback anymore because it's just been going sideways so just kind of failure of the pattern uh, on EFPTC so I could see light have like the the correct kind of view on this um, just based on EFPTC chart and there's obviously going to be outliers even if I'm right even if EFPTC goes down there's going to be one or two altcoins that go up um, but as a whole, I'm not too excited about the altcoins, but I uh, would love to hear your guys' opinion on it because, I mean, I, I don't have any positions I'm not shorting. It's just uh, my gut feeling tells me this is kind of shitty. Solana looks almost exactly like the ARC chart <laughs> that I uh, posted. Um, so I think some of these might actually do okay uh, just from a rebound perspective because people who are just consistently selling might just not, and then you're always going to have some degree of, uh, you know, people that are going to want to buy the dip in the things that used to move fast, so they're going to try that again. <clears throat> but I wouldn't count on that more, for more than a couple of days into a recovery, and I think you're probably right that uh, Bitcoin dominance has, like, a fantastic narrative right now uh, that it doesn't often have. So probably do for that kind of thing. Luke, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I'm going to try to pull up the chart. Uh, if you look at everything since the bottom, uh, I can't share. I'm working on it. I knew it was coming. Now you can. Beautiful. God, that's um, so, BTC chart is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> if we look at everything since the bottom, which was like the 24th, right, going into the weekend uh, when Bitcoin printed its, its lowest, Everything you know that used to move fast, let's just call it that, call it layer ones, new layer ones, the phone trade. Um, those things are obviously ripping, Luna being in the lead. Um, I, I, I kind of find it tough to believe that if Bitcoin does move up, I know it has the strongest narrative it's had in a while. It would make the most sense for Bitcoin to kind of outpace things if it follows Light's theory, but 
I don't, that just isn't showing so far. Like I, I honestly think that some of these things are so depressed that it only takes like a slight, you know, Bitcoin at 42 or even 44 K. Like I think these things keep ripping another 20 to 25%. Um, it, granted that's if Bitcoin's up now, if Bitcoin's down, obviously this downside capture is going to be horrible, but I mean, it's, it's strange. Like even throughout the bull market, we didn't have DeFi outperforming Bitcoin right now. We have even DeFi right above Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin goes up this week, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if near Luna soul, all those don't bounce a little bit harder. Whenever I talk to cred, I always like feel like I'm going to say some kind of thing that is going to get me made fun of because I'm tempted to say, you know, lose this level and it's lights out. <laughs> lights out. Um, but that is not comfy to Don's point. I just wanted to get to a more rational time frame than whatever his monthly chart was. Um, <clears throat> That's his low time frame chart. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on Don's low time frame chart here. Um, I, the, the, the struggle I have is that your upside is kind of this bearish retest whatever type of thing and your downside is losing two weeks of just gross consolidation on a relative basis and it truly it truly looks like you know there's just this big big air gap down to to here you know like who knows where it stops somewhere in there maybe um and there's just so much downside if if you have that down day that your down day is like negative 25 percent for solana while bitcoin's down like five um, and your up day is not, not, not attractive, you know, maybe it goes up twice as fast and goes down to five times as fast. So I, from a velocity perspective, I don't love that. Um, but if you're like hyper confident in your trade, then maybe that snapback would work. I, I don't disagree with that Luke. Yeah. It's just, a, it's such a weird spot, right? Like Luna and, and Luna is probably a little bit different because it had, uh, they raised that billion dollars or whatever they did for the LFG project. And, you know, people love stables. Um, so I don't know. It's looking at the Luna chart and how this thing's already recovered its all-time highs. Like, obviously, I don't expect Solana and, and uh, AVAX to do that immediately. But you can see, like, Solana looking at near, looking at a lot of these, they haven't even started to move up versus Bitcoin. So even, like, moving to their monthly level, you know, I guess it only gives you 10 or 15%. I think throughout the week, though, I like that trade. If you expect Bitcoin to be up, I think those outperform. And then after that, as you said, yeah, it starts to look a little bit like a bearish retest. So maybe pump the brakes. But I think in the in the very short term, like the next couple of days, if Bitcoin's up, I would rather be long near uh, Solana and those, even if they haven't moved like Luna has, I would kind of expect them to a little bit. I'm fine with like correlation matrix punts if you want to chase the market with with more juice. But I, I think one of the things I'm keeping in the back of my mind getting going into this year, especially. I don't know. I think the L1 trade to me is pretty fatigued uh, and, and got to pretty weird levels at the end of the year where it kind of stopped being, you know, the Sol Luna AVAX hedge fund darling trade basically played out to, to, to an enormous extent. And then you started going to like, here's the second L1 basket and we're going to try to make that a thing. And it wasn't because there wasn't enough juice or narrative power, if you will, left to drive that. And the market itself was was kind of fatigued at that, one, at that point. So you weren't going to have the same bid. I think if anything, at least for me, like bigger time frame, uh, if, if I'm going to be punting L1s and be that, you know, for continuation later in the year, or if everything pukes and I'm looking to buy something, you know, so I can afford rent with like a liquidation candle, uh, I'm going to be buying ETH 
because because to me at least you know narratively structurally etc uh, I, I don't know how much more uh, on, on like a, at least a quarterly bi-quarterly whatever basis uh, I, i'm realistically expecting uh, to squeeze out from from the l1 narrative and you know something that happens from cycle to cycle is very early cycle coins and very late cycle coins tend to be like very simple and straightforward narratives like oh here's an exchange coin exchanges have a lot of volume this is going to go up and then you get your memes early in the market and then you also get your memes topping the market right and, and for me that like uh you know complex like chronology of complexity when you start getting into like alternate like you know layer two <laughs> layer one trades that that's like a bit too deep for me and i'd probably be looking for like something a bit shinier a bit more interesting uh, if if things if things really pick up, because I really do think the hedge fund darling trade. I mean, I'm not sure what the upside on that is, uh, but it's certainly a long way to go if things don't look pretty, as as Ledger said. But E for me is much much more comfy in general. I don't know if that's a hot take or anything. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's fine. I've got um I've got one for you here. Which wrecked new coin where uh, people are in profit is better? Um, the one where. Venture capital is behind Immutable X and it's down 70% or whatever um, oh dear. off of its launch. Or looks where uh, degenerate people like myself uh, were the seed investors and it's down 70% off its launch. Yet, in both cases, it's NFTs, it's exchange stuff, and everyone's still in massive profit who are in the seed rounds. <laughs> are these attractive at any point? Either one. Like, I don't care. T pick your poison, your NFT pre sale poison. Um, is this a, is this an area where you're willing to go catch some knives or, or what's, what's at play there? You think? Oh man. Uh, I, I didn't know about these to be completely honest with what's you. What's funny is I, nobody gave, nobody gave immutable X crap the same, but it's exactly the same thing as looks. It's all Gainsey's fault to be honest. That's yeah, the only reason. Gainsey. Yeah. I don't know, man, you know, from cycle to cycle, the, the core argument for new shiny stuff tends to be that it doesn't carry with it the luggage of previous bag holders who, if the market has reached down low enough, um, turn into perpetual sellers on, on every bounce, even when there's an absence of a bounce. Uh, maybe the timing isn't perfect for that, uh, but I could definitely see, you know, if, you know, presuming NFTs stick around, which I think they will, and things look more positive generally, you get projects which lean into the now unpopular and scrutinized, you know, tokenomics and staking models that these newer platforms have had. And, and there's just like a shinier, less bag holder, less broken coin or, you know, infrastructure play that comes out, especially and perhaps more importantly, at a time when the market doesn't look like total shit. And that's probably going to be the tailwind that I think you get some outperformance in the shiny stuff, not only because it learns the lessons from, you know, the Gainsy tweet coin, but also because the market itself looks better. Uh, and so you don't get charts that look like this. That, that's kind of what I, how I'm thinking about it. But sure, maybe there's some weird first mover, everyone who wanted to sell has already sold the other yada thing going on. But those, I don't know, looks looks a bit dangerous to fade this. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not pretty charts. And I'm not trying to tell anybody to buy it. I don't care if you buy my bag or not. Uh... As the Twitterverse knows well, I've already more than made my initial money, so you're not going to hurt my feelings if you don't buy it. <laughs> um, but I just want to bring it up because I just watched these knives falling and falling and falling. And, um, you know, if you want to get NFT exposure, which a lot of people do, I just was reading um, another hedge fund report where it was like, yeah, we don't have near enough NFT exposure and we're not actually sure how to get it. So it wouldn't surprise me if like getting it via these liquid markets is the way for some, some of these funds to get it eventually when the time is right. 
Do you think there's a chance that um, OpenSea actually gets a token at some point? I don't think so. I don't. Th I don't think so. I forget who tweeted it. It was one of their uh, investors. The CTO but... actually tweeted something about it too. Yeah. Basically, they're, they're incentivized not to. Right. They have like the golden goose. Why do they want to? Their equity yeah, is know. tremendously valuable because they have an attractive fee structure for themselves already and a dominant yeah. market share. So they're they're many tokens and to be from a disclosure point of view, I view my company the same way, right? So like we don't I don't see a token for flip being smart either because as an equity play, if you can manage to get user share and um, have real equity, you have power in your real equity, and then your valuation potential in the long-term sense is much better. In the short-term sense, when you're newer or you're, you're you know, whatever, um, it, it's not necessarily as valuable because the investors typically are going to value quick liquidity through a token. But as you see, like with Uniswap, the Uniswap, they can't really turn on their, uh, you know, rev share to their token holders because it makes it look like a bad security. Um, but if you can have a real security and all of your fees are feeding your actual uh, company and eventually potentially your actual shareholders through a dividend or whatever in the long-term sense, like you take advantage of an actual securities market and go public. <laughs> like that's much more attractive from a valuation perspective. Like they would act absolutely be like a Wall Street darling and they can just go public. And that's not a very Web3 answer. It's not like a DAO, but let's be honest, like OpenSea is not going to be a DAO. They're a centralized exchange with, you know, decentralized custody um, of the assets that are traded on their exchange. And I think that's fine. So I don't think they're well incentivized for a token. Yeah. I mean, I wish they would would make me a bunch of money. It'd but... make, yeah, it'd make us money, but it doesn't make their shareholders more money. Yeah. So, Ledger, to your point about the hedge fund, how do we get exposure, et cetera, I think it'd be much easier for them to just fund another looks rare-esque seed round and enjoy that rather than buy your 1,000x and hope it ends up being the next best thing since I'm sliced bread. You know? x, sir. <laughs> it's it's only 30x right no, no, I, no i think i think uh it's probably like a 5x now which is oh you poor thing hope you're okay. modest hope you're okay <laughs> but you get the broader point right i think there are better ways yeah. to get you know if you're a fund with presumably deal flow and connections etc to get infrastructure exposure than buying something that looks like looks at the moment you know sure. no, unless it gets fair. pretty crazy I mean, I honestly thought they would do more with the attention that they gathered. Like, they've built a lot of stuff, but they've not really retained a lot of users, right? Which is uh, sad to see. What? So, Looks? Yeah. I mean, there's not that much going on there um, in terms of actual, like, NFT trading in comparison to anywhere else. Like, if you look at, if you compare to OpenSea, which is obviously a monumental task, right, to steal, like, user share from OpenSea, but we really haven't seen too much of, like, users actually migrating. I yeah, but it's helped Tornado Cash adoption a lot, right? So that's important. <laughs> I think they still, I think the jury's out on that. Like, I think they still have um, some opportunity that for a variety of reasons that we can talk later about um, aren't, aren't visible yet. And I think the Coinbase launch will help that, I guess. Um, you need, as liquidity bifurcates, <clears throat> it encourages liquidity to further bifurcate and to, for um, fees to become kind of the primary reason as the attention economy gets 
confused because right now you can primarily go on OpenSea and understand the market, and soon that will not be true. Um, yeah. I think one I'm, of the other I'm literally pumping my own bags now because this is what my business model is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're in, we're, yeah, that's what the aggregation market for NFTs is very valuable. And when Coinbase launches, you'll have millions of customers that are only willing to transact NFTs on, on Coinbase. And then you're, there's a black hole of like, where do I understand the market? I think one of the one of the challenges that looks rare might face, and I hope it doesn't plague looks rare, um, is like a coin like ZRX, like Matcha. I think is one of the most useful. It's an aggregator, right? So aggregating Uniswaps, you should swap all those things. But like the token just doesn't benefit. I, th I hope looks rare doesn't get put into that. Where I think it's a very good thing uh, for the NFT market. Competition's great. People want new features. You know, as Coinbase like NFT token pops up, it's going to be great. Like aggregators will help out with that ledger, as you were saying. But I hope that the looks rare doesn't turn into like a very I mean, I hope it's a good platform. I think people do enjoy it, but it's like, is the token gonna benefit from that? I haven't dug deep enough into like when uh, when that, when all the selling will stop, but I don't know. Like, I think it's overall a good thing for all users, token-wise. I don't know. Well, it we've not actually seen fee share be good for tokens across the market, although that's what most people say they want. Um, yeah, you know, fee share, it makes it harder to give these a valuation at a super, super high multiple because it brings logic into the equation. So you say like, all right, well, if this is sharing a billion dollars worth of revenue with, 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 uh, token holders, then a 10 X of revenue to, um, <clears throat> you know, like multiple is kind of like a, a, a price to, to sales, ratio that you can apply cope. very much like you cope would. cope cope i think if any of that were remotely applicable irrespective of like broader market conditions like DeFi 1.0 would still be super relevant that's and we'd point. all have our that's my awesome point. models there but no, no one gives a shit right the, the these I'm, metrics I'm with you. yeah right so that's what i mean like if the broader market like you know and once you kind of lose that broader market tailwind it's very hard to recover on the merits that you're making, right? Um, I, I feel once you kind of lose that momentum, where you've got like the positive FA feedback loop, if you will, which is mostly just cope slash marketing, but then you've got the broader market sales and new, new novelty and hype, which are the real drivers. If, if you kind of lose that, it's then hard to recover based on just the quote unquote fundamentals because DeFi 1.0 is, you know, fucking dead for basically that reason amongst others, of course. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the type of, you know, people don't pay attention to those things until it's a bear market. And then you're like, oh, right, there's right. tremendous value. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but I, I I do think in the long term, that's what you're seeking, right? Like you're, <clears throat> I, um, the complacency bounce of a, bull, of a bull market is not probably the best place to like seek, <laughs> seek those multiple. <laughs> um, if we're, I don't know, are we even complacency bounce? Yeah. Um, <laughs> What are we? <laughs> most of those, most of those tokens just stayed wrecked. Like, honestly, if this is the, if we are, let's assume, let's let's assume the bull market is over and we're all just trying to figure out when we can hit the escape hatch. Um, the only things that really had like a great scam exit pump were NFTs themselves, but it was mostly new projects. It wasn't necessarily like yes. all your old bags. It was you know bored apes and then a bunch of new stuff. Um, so like if this is the end of the market, which it could be, 
um, it looks different than the end of the last market. You know, it's not, it's not the same. Um, and, and we've not seen like a good DeFi 1.0 exit. Not will we ever like, it's just, there's no liquidity. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in general with these kind of things, it's legitimately just going to get quicker and quicker. Like people have realized that if they pump other people's bags, um, they're going to have to do so through a bunch of cells. Uh, I think that like Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, to Ripple to an extent have taught that lesson to like more wealthy kind of market participants well. I've actually seen like Sue actually like was in favor of like Litecoin pumping and older coins pumping for a little bit. And then he got absolutely like blasted basically by the market um, because no one really cared, right? Because the, the Litecoin and the Bitcoin cash holders, they're more than happy to sell into anything that they get, right? And I think most people have kind of learned that lesson and it's just something that is now at the forefront of pretty much everyone's mind. So it's really, really hard to pump stuff that has already pumped before, because we all know that if you want to really hit the big multipliers, um, you probably don't want to go where people still hold and hope for an exit, right? It's just, it's basically just going to slow your train down uh, and it doesn't really help you to have seniority in crypto because we are all pretty much, we're not loyal to anything. We just jump to whatever is shiny and then we abandon it the moment it doesn't like, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Or once it has done what it's supposed to do, which is pump, right? Um, that's my view on, on why I think there's probably not going to be like a big DeFi pump that kind of rescues everyone. I think there's a good chance that it just keeps on bleeding out. From a speculative sense, I think that's absolutely accurate. I think from a product usage sense, eventually things where they're still used and have some kind of tokenomic structure, they will become attractive at some point. But that's not to say they're attractive today. They like Ave could be a, an attractive token in two years or something, you know, um, because people use Ave and and. Um, Uniswap or Sushi or whichever DEXs survive or to your point about like Matcha and ZeroX, if they figure out how to put all this together, they could become attractive in the future, but it might take a really long time to kind of normalize how to value these things. Um, and that's putting aside any regulatory risk that might exist in the meantime. Yeah. So there's all kinds I mean, of things that can go wrong. Aave, for example, is 2 billion, right? Market cap wise. Yeah. And then how the fuck... like. Even if people use that, is that in any way, shape or form actually like something that makes sense? Like how many people would have to use it to make that kind of um, something that makes sense? I don't know, like that goes way beyond what um, my capabilities are, but I feel like in crypto, we have these way inflated market caps that make it really, really difficult to even make that argument of, okay, people use this, so it should be worth more. Because it's already worth so much. Um, it's just maybe worth, like there's maybe other things that aren't used that are worth more. But yeah, it's really hard, I think, to make the, the value argument just because of the values that we already have. But maybe that's just my boomer brain going Aves, into overdrive. Aves, uh annualized total revenue is $235 million. Um, so... 
its price to sales is uh, 9.5x, which is by no means like a high growth rate. Um, its price to earnings, which annualized protocol revenue, okay, total revenue versus protocol revenue, is an 89x. So like a PE ratio would be, yeah, so that's actually quite heavy growth. So yeah, <laughs> we were we were measuring these things like, you know, market cap versus um, like TVL, right? That was the meme. <laughs> oh, you're laughing at that. Uh, but when you when you look at it that way, it's like two billion versus twelve billion dollars locked dollars that people entrust Ave with that looks very valuable. When you look at it versus like their actual net protocol revenue, it's not as attractive. So you know the market has to figure these things out, and the market figures those things out in a bear market. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> When it, um, I do think, you know, attention and um, and and therefore dollars into the coins will on the on the other side, right? Like on a new speculative market, the first things to pump before new things come out will be the old things that people still use. Um, so I think it's worth paying attention to. Hey, is Ave the place to do? DeFi or is is Uniswap or whatever DeFi two point is? Those seem to kind of all go away. Um, what's DeFi 2.0? Like, do any of those get used? Um, I know Curve gets used. That's DeFi 1.0. Like, what's DeFi 2.0 that's lasted? We got memed to death for, like, <laughs> you know, not being in DeFi 2.0, but what, what is sticky from that? Well, the, the problem is that we're all not really interested too much, so we can't. Yeah, none of them's a good trade. <laughs> like, you'd rather own ETH over all of them, right? Yep. I just love when you start applying like traditional market quote unquote fundamentals to crypto DeFi protocols because it only happens in two instances, right? Once is when it's already pumping and you're using those to justify why it should pump another 10x. <laughs> and the other time is when it's dumping really hard and you're trying to find a reason as to why it's oversold or doing whatever else. It's, it's just, you know, it, any anything else in the middle is questionable at best. I agree with Z or Z, as I guess I should call him, I mean, British English, when he says that, you know, applying this stuff to um, DeFi, especially if you have much more significant market tailwinds or headwinds, it's it's just not not super useful yet. I don't think we've reached that degree of sophistication to, to justify that analytical framework, especially if you consider like downside correlations converging towards one, uh, you know, past a certain volatility threshold. It's like, well, what's the fucking point, right? Um, but that, that, that's kind of my view, at least. I'm sure it'll be useful later, but it's kind of just like a lot of the uh, decoupling in terms of just like, oh, you know, there's not, not going to be... How many uh, fund manager threads did we see at the top from, on Twitter about like, here's why there'll be no bear market. And it's always some really stretched argument about how you're going to get like sectoral pumps and sectoral rotations, this, that, and the other. I love the idea of that. I just, I just don't think we're there yet. And I, I think the market's bearing that out at the moment. Um, and I, I have a similar view when it comes to applying these uh, IRL frameworks to crypto. Um, I don't think the sophistication and the decoupling, dispersion, whatever, so, uh, is facilitative of that type of You say we're uh, all too peanut, peanut brained and peanut brains are the champions of this market. <laughs> something, I mean, something like that. <laughs> Momentum and reflexivity and attention and the broader market conditions to me are much more useful than extrapolating from traditional finance or, I don't know, revenues and all that. Luke, you had XRP on your chart and I don't know why. Uh, can you? Is that something that you wanted to talk about? Oh, not at all. I was just bringing it up about uh, Dom was talking about old coins. Will it? Will they ever pump again? 
I mean, this chart is, it's honestly, it's, it's a work of art. It just deserves to go to zero. So send it. I, I mean, the funny thing is like XRP actually looks much better than a lot of the other older coins. Um, but yeah, fucking hell. When lawsuit pump. Yeah, I, that's what I want to know. I mean, look at that. Like that, that's bad. Like Litecoin's dead, right? No, it's the test net for lightning or something. <laughs> it's the silver. No, I, I think Litecoin, yeah. I have you seen Litecoin Bitcoin? I mean, I've, I've just looked at it before yeah, like the show. Just, yeah, Lucy's yeah. pulling them up one by one, every ancient coin. Like that has nothing but sellers. It's like just people with lots of regret selling ever since 2019. <laughs> I mean, imagine being in crypto since like 2018 and only having experienced the bear market. It's like, that's <laughs> Litecoin basically in a nutshell, right? You're up like 2x or something against USD while everyone else around you got rich in crypto. Um, that's kind of, it's kind of tough. Um, and I think that just kind of reflects the point that I made earlier. Maybe there is going to be like a big, big kind of washout on Litecoin and the other older coins where it goes down like 70% in a day. People start freaking out and then it actually goes up afterwards again because then like for some reason we reach like fair value or whatever. But I, it's so tough to buy these, I think, just based on the history and based on that there's other coins that do whatever they do. Uh, in the same way, without the backholders on board. Yeah, so I think one of the assumptions I made that I had to like really challenge because we started a bull market before they were properly dead. Um, but one of the assumptions I made was basically that we weren't going to have another like great bull market until all the altcoins truly just died, like the ones that were were garbage or whatever. And what I learned was that wasn't actually true. You know, Bitcoin and Ethereum or like whatever is live can still go into a bull market and the way that they can do that is that the market got smart enough to not allow the crappy altcoins to participate in that bull market. So they die throughout the bear market, but then like the true nail in the coffin is not participating in the next bull market because then as that cycles back down again uh, in a, in a secondary bear market, then there's literally no liquidity, no interest, no community, everything's gone. And they, they truly go full zombie and that they just can't ever participate again. Um, and I think, I think now that like the, the, now there's just new tokens all the time. It will have the same thing, right? We'll have a, a bear market. They won't go to zero. We'll be looking at stuff that's got a billion dollar market cap and wonder why, but the way they'll they'll die is to not participate in the next bull market and there'll be a new batch of coins and we'll just have thousands and thousands and thousands of these zombies. Yeah. It's actually crazy like how inflationary crypto as a whole is. Um even though like that's kind of the point of it, like not being. Um but yeah that's what we deal with, right? When you when you like hard code um a, a cap into your coins what you do instead is just make new coins over and over and over again and then you can have the same inflation that we have in the traditional world uh, world um in crypto land just 100 <laughs> yeah. times amplified <laughs> and it's like people kind of pretend crypto is so so different but is it really right it's like bitcoin isn't isn't inflating but um everything in crypto is and to a large, large extent, um, just as a whole, not as like in the, on an individual basis. 
Don, don't let the NFT people hear your uh, false scarcity argument there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's NFTs <laughs> 10 times worse, actually. And I'm starting like with the NFT stuff. It's really starting to get bad, bad. I feel like there's only um, 10,000 of these. Now, next week, we'll have 10,000 of like a slightly different, you know, member of the animal kingdom. Fishing rods, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or fishing. I'm, I'm actually very, very bearish on that long term. Like if you have your money in profile pictures long term. If you have 100% of your money in NFTs at this moment, you will be broke. You will be yes. completely broke. Um, and I mean, I, I don't have, like I never had much money in NFTs, right? And I started selling um, and it was fucking hell. It took me so long. <laughs> and then I, like at some point I was happy to sell the bottom because I was like, fuck this dude. I'm sitting here for days trying to sell this shit. I'm more than happy to sell the bottom, even if it is the bottom, because the, at least at the bottom, there's going to be liquidity to kind of get me out. So, um, I've like picturing take... the inverse of the, this is mine meme, but Don being like, <laughs> this is yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And I mean, the, the thing is like the worst part about all of the, like the NFT stuff is you're all diversified, right? So what you do is you have like a bunch of projects that you hold and then you you start being like bearish. You think, okay, there's a downturn coming and you start selling. And the only things that do sell, the only things that you can actually get rid of is the good stuff, right? Because no one buys the garbage shit. So you have to like mark down the garbage shit 30% by yourself um, until you eventually find buyers. And sometimes you don't even get that still. And then you have the good stuff that sells immediately um, and that might actually go up. So you can only sell the strong ones, which you don't want to be selling and the weak ones you cannot sell. Uh, it's, but you it's have to sell the, you have to sell the strong ones on the way up at the same time, right? Like there's this yeah. constant, uh, yeah, you're short ETH when you're long in NFT. So you're constantly like, uh, selling into that pump to close your, close your short, um, of Ethereum to gain more Ethereum. And then you need to win at least one 10 X to make up for nine pieces of crap. Um, yeah, it's a wild market. Yeah. I mean, I think, I just think the the number go up mentality as being the reason UNFT has to go away in order for, but then the prices would be way lower. The number of, you know, um, the reason your NFT becoming more experiential rather than uh, speculative um, could sustain, but you might have a very long NFT bear market in the meantime. I don't know. Are we just fudding, Luke? I mean, I think to tie these together is if you want to buy some NFTs, if you want to splurge and you also want to play some old coins, you can kind of just treat Litecoin, Tron, EOS, Ripple. You can kind of treat those as like an NFT, you know, buy one, buy one Ripple, hold one Litecoin. It reminds you of previous cycles and <laughs> it probably won't go up over the long term, but it's XRP. fun to hold. <laughs> what's that like seven cents 75 yeah, like 75 cents yeah um yeah I, I mean a binary bet i guess would be why why it's there's no, i don't understand why you could care um don when you're talking about how you have to like personally mark the nft down 30 percent just to get rid of it that speaks to me because if 10 people do that, like you're down 90, you know, I, I don't not check out that math, but yeah. <laughs> you're, down, you're down a lot real quick, you know? Yes. Um, because the liquidity of a, of an NFT market is just not the same. 
Yeah, I think you'll get better over time, right? That's like a clear path of innovation, at least for higher end collections or liquidity as a service that, you know, if you go past OpenSea, I know this is being worked on a bit, but it's clearly not widespread. Just having essentially liquidity providers, market makers, or, you know, designated dealers, so to speak, uh, when it comes to NFTs. I think if, if if anyone's looking at the trading volume, that these things do, especially at the peaks or when the market's really good, you know, that there's definitely some incentive to iron out uh, how how trading is done. So I think that'll be get get better over time. But at the moment, yeah, I mean, most of the prices that you see, especially for like mid-range rares or whatever, they're completely illusory, right? Because you might think, oh, well, the next one, the long is, you know, 10 ETH and my one is 9.8. But you know, no one's buying that price for a reason, like the floor is resistance, right? And so then you have to go basically fishing for liquidity, which would just mean providing a sufficient discount for someone to bite. And it could even be that people want to trade when liquidity is scarcer only at the floor and not at your mid-range or rares or whatever. And therefore, whatever price you've ascribed to them as being, oh, this is the floor for this trade, it's it's a completely fake price because you're never going to get to sell that. You know, and that, that's pretty tricky. And so I think at least as a starting point, if you want to trade NFTs, um, I mean, if you get a rare off mint, flipping that is like pretty legit. Uh, but generally speaking, um, I, I'm happy to carve out an argument for mostly trading at the floor to at least try to get some sort of guarantee of liquidity in a market where, you know, you can't even gauge depth or anything like that. I, c- I could be wrong. I'm, I'm an idiot with these things after all. No, I actually agree. I think like if you if you don't have like very, very high conviction in like an NFT project, which I mean, in itself such sounds like fucking weird to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you should probably just stick to the floor because yeah, people don't value rarity as you do. And when prices go down, and if you want to sell when prices go down, you're never going to be able to sell your rares for the appropriate price i mean you can put it at the floor and people could still not buy it just because like during the downturns no one really gives a shit and then when it goes up people give a shit again and then you can get lifted out so like if you have anything that is not the typical kind of floor piece uh, you're only going to be able to really sell that during the upturns which is fine but for that you have to have strong conviction otherwise you're just gonna pay um more to get like something more rare and then you're gonna just basically sell it for floor prices if you want to get rid of it during downturns even if it's not a downturn even if it's an upturn actually one of the things that i've seen is that the uh rare to floor ratio goes down as the floor goes up um because people they just start hitting barriers right like if you're trying to um say you buy something for 10 ETH and the floor is 1 ETH, and then the floor goes to 10 ETH, can you sell it for 100 ETH? You have to at least sell it for 100 ETH, or else you should have spent your 10 ETH buying 10 1 ETH items, 1 ETH floors. Um, <clears throat> so if you can 10X on floors, can you 10X on the rare? And rarely do you actually get that, right? Like typically, the, your, your ratio for your rare is going to actually be a little slower moving than your ratio on your floors. Um, and you'll have the trouble with liquidity. So it's kind of a dually purposed problem. The only time that it does make sense to do it is if you do have confidence that you'll be able to sell and you'd rather make one transaction than 10, or more importantly would be like maybe two or three transactions rather than like 50, you know, like you would crush the floor if you own too high of a number of them. So for a, a higher roller that doesn't want to destroy the market when they're trying to sell those floors, 
then I think it does make sense to buy a couple rares potentially if they have like this long-term bullishness. That's the only argument to me that makes sense though. Because otherwise, if you're, you're probably better off just buying like five floor pieces. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, in general with the NFT stuff, that one thing that I want to say with like the NFT market maturing, the one problem that we kind of have is that I think the NFT market is already basically at the point that we are with like the crypto markets and coins, where there's a million of them, right? There's so many projects it is actually starting to become really, really difficult um, to, long, long to move in the market. Zero. Yeah. And um, so you kind of have to pick wisely. And the stuff, like the, the problem is that even if you pick something that is liked by a few, if something bad happens, you're still going to be stuck with a shitty project that no one trades. So um, it's really, really hard for the market to really improve when you just have a million projects come up every single day. And uh, it, it kind of does remind me of the, of the ICO times where you just have um, a bunch of new projects and they raise money and they take the money that they've, that they've raised and put it into like other NFT projects. We've seen that in the last few days a couple of times where new rug pull um, projects kind of take their ETH and put it into other NFTs that are more... Um, well-known and more liked and um, that kind of creates this feedback loop that we've had right you get higher prices and like people invest into other nfts and at some point the money runs out right and it all just kind of giga rugs because which is why we're announcing the weekly open nft right it's <laughs> <laughs> an experiential nft cred it's not supposed to number go up you just give right, us money right. and then you experience weekly open oh, well. utility right there that's right um, sounds like a security <laughs> shh so uh, we're uh, we're out of time, but before we go, uh, is there anything that anybody wants to leave us with in terms of what to watch for? It doesn't look like it. Everybody's <laughs> done. I, I, I mean, for me, honestly, I, I just still think it's still like video game and chill time. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with what Luke said at the beginning. That that might coming to, like that might come to an end for me. It's still the same. Enjoy your time with your loved ones, with your family, with with uh, your video games or whatever. Yeah, like but for do. you, that could be like a twenty thousand dollar price difference in BTC. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that is true. That's I mean, you can you can have a different opinion. I think that's fine. Uh, just my personal opinion is it's still boring. Still. Uh, nothing to be too excited about while we have that ukraine russia situation going on in the east um yeah yep. yeah i think that's fair i certainly don't expect fireworks i just think in the scenario that if bitcoin does move up this week uh, i would expect those layer one stop pace once again i don't think it's going to be anything close to what we were having uh, towards the end of last year but i don't maybe i'm just getting bored of playing video games dude i can only play so much fifa and and ufc so I don't know about y'all. I've been freaking busy, so I don't mind not paying attention to the charts for a little while. So um, I would root for some chop. I'd actually just root for the market to go down. That's fine as well. Like, <laughs> but that's because I risked off a lot. Oh, so that that is so lines. bullish to hear. That, that. is so <laughs> bullish. I know. <laughs> I just have too much going on. I can't pay attention to this crap. Craig, you want to leave us with anything? Um, 
I mean, TA is, you know, you can you can carve out arguments for a higher low, and as long as the market's above 38.2, it's okay, slash looks reasonable. I'm fine with that. Uh, I just still think it's an environment where you, you know, take your profits where you can get them. And in general, for like higher time frame, like proper momentum signals, those start to really flip around 44, 47, or thereabouts. So I think that's the, you know, probably the more compelling kind of momentum entry, uh, which would signal a shift from chop to maybe something a bit more sustained. But in general, you know, it's still very mercenary, algo driven, etc. Looks decent at the moment above 38.2. Um, but, you know, some humility, I think, at this point in the market also helps that, you know, you've got macro, you've got geopolitics, algo driven stuff. There's like a lot of shit going on. So, um, you know, take what you're given. I don't think this is the right environment to like hang on to massive trades and, you know, that's it. I, I'm, pro I'm completely mumbling at this point, but that's kind of my view on the market, right? The, the conditions have been progressively becoming more difficult to trade with more external factors spilling over into the market. So I've just been far, far, far more picky and selective with the punts I'm willing to take, the timeframes I take them on and the duration for which I'm willing to hold them. If that changes, great. Uh, for now, not a ton of evidence of that outside of the short term. Time you know? for us to find a new and better edge. I like it. Right. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Go to weeklyman.com slash FTX, where you can trade directly from one asset to the other using the FTX app. It's easy. Just go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Also earn yield on your tokens. There's no trading fees when you're using the FTX app. We appreciate them for being our partners. We appreciate you for being here. Cred, super happy to have you. Luke and Don, have a great day. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.